podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. good boys and girls welcome to two footed podcast today is wednesday the 8th of september we're brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider it's a virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location access things that you geoblock from while also keeping your data safe libertyshield.com use the code eplvpn to get 20 percent off at checkout they have both hardware and software packages available so check those out there's a 48 hour free trial right we're also brought to you by home of hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in scotland but shipping worldwide check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and finally do remember to check out the epl index and anfield index shops which you can find through the eplindex.com website the anfieldindex.com website or by downloading the etsy app onto your phone and searching EPL Index or Anfield Index. Right, folks, that's that, and away we go. It's International Week still. It seems to have been going on for about three years now. I'm bored. I want club football back. If anyone would, you know, kindly bring me back some club football, that'd be great. Um, Busy night tonight. Northern Ireland play Switzerland. England play Poland. Germany play Iceland. Italy play Lithuania, Belgium play Belarus. Those will all involve a hefty dose of Premier League players. Last night, France beat Finland 2-0. Two goals from Antoine Griezmann. France played a back three, which actually worked quite well. Theo Hernandez finally in the French team after many years of waiting as a left wing back. Louis Dubois on the right wing as a right wing back. Both absolutely tremendous going forward. It really suited them. Pogba Rabiot, it worked okay. It won't work against better teams because Pogba in a two just isn't what you want to do. Kurt Zuma as the right side centre-back, not ideal. That's very much the place for Jules Koundé. But Varane and Kimpembe did work well. And Martial actually played quite well alongside Benzema. Griezmann in behind, functioning as a 10. It worked quite well, I have to say. Going forward, it worked quite well. Defensively, there was some issues, but it's Finland. It's not going to be a tough task. But a 2-0 win, it's a good good win for France. Gets them back to winning ways. The Netherlands walloped Turkey 6-1. Davy Klassen, formerly of Everton. A Memphis Depay hat-trick. Uh, Till and Malin with the other goals. Turkey had Kaglar Seonchu sent off on 44 minutes. His form at the moment is probably the worst it's ever been. Um, really, really poor. Cengiz Under gets the only goal for them, a stoppage time consolation effort. The Republic of Ireland drew 1-1 with um, Serbia. Sergei Milenkovic-Savic put Serbia 1-up, and Nikola Milenkovic with an own goal in the 86th minute gifted Ireland a point. To be fair, they deserved the point. Ireland were 
massively outgunned in terms of talent, but they really gave a good showing of themselves. Gavin Bassoon, the young goalkeeper, Manchester City on him, he's very, very promising. Uh, Oma Medelli, the young Norwich defender, he looked very, very promising. Unfortunately, we lost Daryl O'Shea this week to an injury, and he's going to be out for a substantial period of time, but those two, plus Nathan Collins, could be a long-term back three that would work well. It allows Matt Doherty to play as a wing-back, which is where he belongs. James McLean always gives 100%. I'll take no abuse from James for, for James McLean. He's someone I admire greatly. But he is a little bit past his best. So finding a replacement for him down that side has to be a priority for Ireland moving forward. Now... They do have a couple of options in that regard because you can play a midfield player there. But I think probably the best option they have right now would be um, Ender Stevens, the Sheffield United left back, left wing back. Natural fit for him to play as a wing back. So if they can get him back in amongst the team once he's fit and everything's good, he'd be a good fit there. And I think it gives the team good balance. Egan played left side of the three centre-backs. He works well there. He normally plays centrally for his club, but did play well as the left side. And Shane Duffy obviously played uh, as the, the central defender. I'm still not keen. I'm still not keen. It, it just is what it is. The midfield, there's talent. There's a lot of young promise there as well. Um, but the one I'm looking forward to seeing back in the mix is Jason Knight of Derby. Uh, up front, there's, it's just, it's not great. It's not great at all. Um, there's hard-working players there, but there's nobody in that group that's going to score enough goals. Unless Troy Parrott can take a big step forward this year, I think Ireland are going to struggle to score goals moving forward. But when you look at the names in that Serbian team and you see the quality that they had, you have to say that Ireland did quite well. To, to get a draw out of this game. Serbia, much better team. Um, Ireland are not going to qualify out of this group, obviously. They've got two points from five games. Portugal have 12. Serbia have 11. Ireland aren't going to get close. What they do need to do is they need to get above Luxembourg because that's embarrassing. Luxembourg currently have four more points than Ireland with a game less played. So that's mortifying. Get that sorted and just get third. Forget everything else. Get third. Um, Norway beat Gibraltar 5-1. Erling Haaland scoring a hat-trick is about the only thing that's noteworthy from that. Portugal beat Azerbaijan 3-0. Bernardo Silva, Andre Silva and Diogo Jota. From the highlights I saw, once again, they looked like a more cohesive unit without Cristiano. Um, the double pivot of Paulinha and Moutinho, not ideal, not their best, but did work quite well. I love that Pepe is still playing. The guy's like 37, 38, still kicking people up into the stands. Jack can say I had a couple of nice touches, a couple of nice moments. But that front four, Bernardo on the right, Bruno as the 10, Diogo Jota off the left, and Andre Silva through the middle, that's really good, and it works really well. You've got three of them in Bruno, Jota, and Silva who are goal scorers, and then you've got three in Silva, Bruno, and Silva who can be creators and Providers, so the balance is really good, and there's still 
they still have really good players to come into that as well. Um, Gonzalo Guedes, really talented player. He can step into that attack. Joe Felix, obviously, whenever Diego Simeone gets done trying to turn him into a right back or whatever it is he's doing with him. Um, Trinkiao, Pedro Neto, when he gets fit again. Portugal have so much attacking talent and they do just function better as a team without Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, they've also got a lot of talent in midfield. You've got Ruben Neves, William Carvalho still knocking about. You've still got Renato Sanchez. If the Benfica boys, Florentino Luez, if the likes of him, if they can ever get back on track and develop the way they're expected to, they'd be in the mix there as well. They've got good depth at fullback, really good options. The starting ones were Joe Cancelo and Rafael Guerrero. You've got Nuno Mendes as an option at left back. You've got Ricardo Pereira as an option at right back. Centre back, they're a little bit shy. They do have Diogo Lete, Ferro, David Carmel when he gets fit. He's the one I want to see play next to Neva, uh, next to Diaz. I think that's the pairing. Um, there's also Thiago Jallo, who's a good option. And then in goal, Rui Patricio is obviously the first choice, though I do prefer Lopez of Roma, of, not Roma, uh, Lopez of Leon. I think he's a better keeper. So yeah, I do think when Cristiano's just gone and maybe Rui Patricio goes with him, I actually think Portugal become an even better team. Uh, speaking of Cristiano, it's really cute to see how much United are trying to inch out of this signing with the non-stop Twitter posts tagging him in everything. Um, it's very, very amusing to me. Very, very amusing. The guy left for 12 years and didn't look back. He wasn't going to join you and he offered them the most money. Let's stop simping. That would be appreciated. Um, speaking of Manchester United, actually, Jesse Lingard has rejected a new contract from United. He has concerns over how often he's likely to play this season. I would say very rarely, Jesse, considering you're a number 10 and the other number 10 options are Bruno Fernandes, substantially better than you, Paul Pogba, substantially better than you, and, of course, Donny van der Beek, who, despite, you know, living in Ollie's basement or wherever he is, he is better than Jesse Lingard. So... Don't really see a path from there. There's not going to be many games out wide because they've got Sancho, they've got Rashford, they've got Pogba, they've got uh, Greenwood. I don't really see where he plays. I really don't see an option for him. They were asking ridiculous money in the summer and nobody was willing to pay it, not even West Ham who had him there last year. I think West Ham did well to avoid spending that kind of money on him after one good run of form in four years. I assume it plays out that Jesse Lingard stays at United this season and leaves in a free next summer. I assume that's what happens. Um, moving on then, obviously there was some chaos and calamity in Brazil with the Argentina-Brazil game and the police and health officials storming the field. Uh, disciplinary action has started against both nations after the abandoned qualifier. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because the Argentine players are the ones that broke the rules. Uh, one of them, I believe Emmy Martinez, wrote on his um, form 
that the last game he played for Aston Villa took place in Estonia or somewhere stupid. So they're going to be in trouble for that, there's no doubt. And then Brazil, I mean, the game could have been stopped before it took place. You could have insisted that those players didn't play. You had multiple days they were in the country to take action, and you didn't. It almost seemed like it was, in a way, kind of staged that way. Like, let's have them take off their four, well, three starters as it was. They'll have to make three substitutions, and then that's them buggered for the game. Um, Really, really bizarre. Really, really bizarre. So, we'll wait and see. It's not looking good, though, and those players are going to have to quarantine when they return to the UK. So they'll obviously miss multiple games for, for Villa and Spurs. Um, the Brazilian FA have taken the unique approach of trying to annoy everybody in the Premier League by uh, insisting that FIFA block eight players from playing for their clubs this weekend. Uh, that would be Thiago Silva of Chelsea and Fred of Manchester United, both of whom will also miss the Champions League games on Tuesday. Fabinho and Alisson, Ederson and Gabriel Jesus, Rafinha. Now, they've included Roberto Firmino on the players that they want banned, but he's injured, so it's not going to make any difference. He wouldn't have been playing anyway. Um I think, yeah, Mexico, Paraguay, and Chile have done similar. So Raul Jimenez uh, won't be allowed to play for Wolves. Miguel Almiron won't be playing for Newcastle. And Francesco Serralto won't be playing for Watford. Uh, That's a bit of a blow for Watford. He is good. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. Um, It seems like a nonsense, and it seems like something the Premier League could override if they really wanted to override it. Whether they've got the stomach for it, I don't know. But all Premier League clubs were in agreement. Now, whether that agreement came with the understanding that they'd missed them for this weekend, but that was preferable to losing them for 10 days, which would be two Premier League games and a a European game for a lot of clubs. Maybe that was just the the decision that they made, that they'd rather have the the five-day ban than the 10-day ban. Um, Right, I'm going to take a quick break while I'm rambling. Um, When I come back, I'm going to do uh, my rankings. So, on Monday, obviously, started off with the um, goalkeeper and manager. So, I ranked the 20 managers as I view them, and then I ranked who I think are the top 20 goalkeepers in the league. Um, Just to recap on those managers, I went Pep, Klopp, Tuchel, Bielsa, Benitez, Rogers, Dyche, Moyes, Nuno, Ralph, Potter, Smith, Farka, Laja, Ollie, Bruce, Frank, Cisco, Arteta, and Vieira. Um, goalkeepers that went Allison, Emmy Martinez, Mendy, Ederson, Pope, De Gea, Casper Schmeichel, Hugo Lloris, Ariola, Leno, Dubravka, Pickford, Melier, Guaita, McCarthy, Krul, Sanchez, David Rea, Bachman, and Jose Sa. And as I went through it afterwards, I think Jose Sa is probably not one of the 30 best goalkeepers currently owned by Premier League teams, but that is what it is. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will go through 
full backs, right back and left back, centre back, defensive midfielders, and midfielders. So back in a moment. Right, welcome back. So, uh, going to start with right backs. I think there's a very clear number one. It's quite a strong field until you get down towards the end. So I've taken who I think are the best right backs and left backs from each club for these lists. So right backs, I've got Trent as the number one. I think it's clear. Then I've gone for Ricardo Pereira. Now, I know he had a bad season last year, but I put that mostly down to injuries. I think he's a tremendous fullback. Good going, like really good going forward. Good defensively. Consistent. And I don't write him off for one bad season. That was largely down to injuries. Uh, I've got Kyle Walker third. I just think defensively he has improved as he's aged. He's lost some of what made him good going forward, but he still has that lightning pace. Um, I do think there's flaws in this game, but I think there's flaws in the games of everybody at this position. Trent, sometimes he lapses defensively. Pereira, again, sometimes he lapses defensively, and he is a little bit injury-prone. Walker, there's defensive lapses. He's not very... His attacking game is very one-dimensional. Let's just put it that way. But his passing has actually improved greatly in the last couple of years, which I do like. I've gone Reese James at four. I think he's good, not great. He could become great, but he's certainly not there yet. Still a lot of holes to, to fill in, out in his game. Uh, Tamiyasu, Arsenal's new signing. I've gone with him as number five. I just player I very much like. Very good defensively. Good going forward. Good covering pace. Can play centre-back, right-back. He's one I like. Um, Max Ahrens, I've gone with in sixth. Again, I just really like Max Ahrens. I think he's excellent going forward. I think you can run your team through him. If you're looking to build uh, a model of Liverpool, I think Max Ahrens is one you'd have to consider uh, for the right-back position. Now, I don't think he can do what Trent does. He doesn't have the passing range. But he could be a right-back version of Andy Robertson. So if you could find a left-back version of Trent, which, again, not very easy. There's Well, there's nobody, really. You, you might have to buy a Dwight McNeil and try and convert him. But, yeah, I've gone with Max Ahrens in six. Then I've got Vladimir Sufal of West Ham. Brilliant last season. Absolutely brilliant last season. And he's already started this season very well. Very, very consistent. I like how doggedy he is defensively. And he offers a lot going forward. Emerson Royale, I've got next. Um, I think Spurs have done really well to get him in. They've paid a high price, obviously. But he's very, very talented. And um, I think he'll, he'll add quite a bit. He's certainly a big upgrade on what they had there. And along with Romero, should form half of that defence. For the long term, if they can keep hold of Regulon, because Real have that buyback, then they've got three quarters of their defence sorted for the long term. Next, I've gone for Matty Cash. Um, again, good going forward. Last season, though, very good defensively. So, I think he's shown himself to be very well-rounded. Still makes mistakes, and that's expected. He's still young. I think he'll improve substantially now over the next two to three years. He's not long playing right back, remember. He was a winger. So he's still learning the position in, in some regards. Uh, I've got Semedo of Wolves. He should be higher. He he should be better than he is. He has all the ability. 
he just seems to lack a little bit of desire at times, especially defensively. There's just times you watch him and you just think you don't care enough defensively. And that's something he needs to address. Uh, I've gone with Tariq Lamptey next. And it's more a potential thing than anything else. Like what we saw in, I suppose, the 12 months after he signed from Chelsea, before he had the thigh injury, just was very, very promising. He is electric going forward. And he's he's close to fitness again. And once he gets back, I think he's going to be a big, big player for Brighton. Uh, then I went with Kyle Walker-Peters. I just think he's well-rounded. Not great going forward, but good. Not great defensively, but good. Young and will improve. Then I went with Juan Bissaka. Now, a lot of people might have him higher, but I just think he's very poor going forward. Like, very, very poor on the ball. And defensively, while he's brilliant in 1v1s, he's not great in the air. He doesn't sweep across behind the centre-backs all that well. Positionally, he's a mess. So, I don't think he's anywhere close to the level that people have him pinned at. Now, I do think we see a drop-off here. I've got Seamus Coleman next, and he's well past his best. Like, well, well past his best. Three, four years past his best. He never really recovered after that horrible leg break. So, he's still a good player, but he's just not... Like, if you were taking over as, as Everton manager, replacing him at right back would be one of the first things you'd want to do. But he's still decent. Uh, I've got uh, Luke Ayling next of Leeds. I'm not a huge fan. I think he's good going forward. He works really hard, but defensively, he's just he wouldn't be for me. Uh, then I went Emil Kraft of um, Newcastle. I think he can be better defensively. I do like him, but I I think when you ask him to do too much going forward, you open him up to flaws. Um, then I went with Connor Roberts, recently signed by Burnley. I think he's the best right back they have. He'd be higher if he'd proven more in the Premier League, but obviously he's been a Championship player. Uh, in recent years, and I want to see what he can do in the Premier League. Um, I went with Jeremy Ngakia from Watford at number 18. Now, the reason I picked him from Watford, even though he hasn't started in the league this year, is that Craig Cathcart is so bad that I just refused to put him on the list. Uh, Sergi Canos, I went at 19, and Joel Ward at 20, because I, I just think Joel Ward's poor. Uh, Sergi Canis not even a wing, not even a fullback or a wing back. He's a winger. I just it couldn't have Joel Ward any higher. Uh, left back is very competitive, and I'm actually surprised at how much I like almost every team in the league at left back this season. So Andy Robertson for me remains the best left back in the league. Yes, his form dipped in the second half of last season, but you have to look at a body of work. And for the three years prior to that and the first half of last season. Andy Robertson was the best left back in the league and it wasn't close. Um, then I've got Luke Shaw. So he's always had the potential and the promise to be very, very good. And when he came through at Southampton, he looked like he'd be a really good attacking left back. Now, with injuries and he's gotten stocky, he's lost a bit going forward, but he's really good defensively. I would say he's probably the best left back in the league from a defensive point of view. But I think Robertson is more of an all-round game. Uh, number three, I've got Kieran Tierney. We still, I don't think, have seen the best of him at Arsenal. But like Robertson, he's really well-rounded. And I really like his versatility. can play 
centre-back in a three or a two, can play right-back. I, I just really like Kieran Tierney. I went with Luca Dina at, at four um, and Regulon at five. And these two are really close for me. Very similar games. Both very attack-minded. Both excellent crosses the ball. I gave Dina the nod to think his set-piece delivery is better. But it's very, very close. Dina's also a couple of years older, so he, he should be better at this point. I went with Joe Canseo next. Now, he is predominantly a right-back, but he is the best left-back that he have because the other option is Zinchenko, who's predominantly a midfield player. Canseo, talent-wise, I think is the most talented player playing left-back in the league. But he's not as good at left-back as he is at right-back, and he's not as good at right-back, I don't think, than Kyle Walker. Largely defensively, he's much better than Walker going forward, but Walker's much better than him defensively. And I do think at full-back, you've got to factor in the defensive side. Plus, I knew I could use him at left-back. So that's why I have him here. I think he's a better player than Regulon, a better player than Dina, a better player than Tierney, and a better player than Shaw. But he's not a better left-back than them. And that's the thing. He's he's not as good at left-back than they are. So I've got him sixth. I understand that some people will, will view him as better than that, or they might prefer to have him, you know, at right-back. But I, I, I have to go Kyle Walker because the defensive side and his passing. Canseo's very, very good, but it, it is what it is. Uh, I've got Ben Chilwell next. Now, this was close because I've got Chilwell and then James Justin. Now, James Justin, again, is a right-back, but Ricardo Pereira is the best right-back at Leicester. James Justin was brilliant for Leicester last year. I think his form for Leicester last year until he got hurt was better than anything we'd seen from Chilwell, but it's body of work here that's got Chilwell ahead of Justin. Chilwell had multiple years in the Premier League performing at a good level. Justin only really had the half season, so um, that's why Chilwell's ahead of Justin, and Justin's out injured at the moment as well, so that factors in. Um, I've got Mark Cucurella next of Brighton. I, I love him. I think he's tremendous. A really good attacking player, really aggressive. Uh, I'm really excited to see him and Lamptey as wing-backs this year. I really hope that's what Graham Potter does, is stick with the back three. Now, I don't think he has an ideal three centre-backs. I know he could go He could go Veltman, Dunk, Webster. But Veltman's a level below what you want. But if he plays Lamptey and Cucurella as wing-backs and then Wepu and Basuma as two holding midfielders... I think that's a really strong midfield. I went Junior Firpo next. Um, didn't see his best at Barca, but he was brilliant at Real Betis. I think Leeds got a, a good deal on him. Rayan ain't Nuri. It's largely a promise thing, same as Lamptey. Huge talent. Huge, huge talent. Impressed me last year when given opportunities in a bad Wolves team. But before joining Wolves, he was also very impressive. So I've got him. Uh, Charlie Taylor of um, Burnley is next. Massively underrated in my view. Very good going forward. Does really well to link up with, with McNeil. And he's a good defender. Then I've got Aaron Cresswell, who's always been good going forward. He has improved defensively in recent years. Uh, I've got him next. Then I've got Matt Target. Maybe a little bit low, but it's a really strong position. Matt Target's a good all-round fullback. Then I've got Rico Henry. Again, talented player, 
24-25 now. Left it a little bit late to get to the Premier League, but stayed with Brentford, being loyal to them. After they were loyal to him when he had injury problems after he first signed, I like Rico Henry. Uh, I've got Jamal Lewis next. Again, we haven't seen his best at Newcastle, but he was really good for Norwich. Roman Perot is next, and it, this is probably harsh. I haven't seen enough of him. He, I saw bits of him in France. He looks a good player, but that's where I have him. Uh, Giannoulis of Watford is of well Watford of um, Norwich is next. Good going forward. Question marks defensively. I think he's good, but I I do worry a little bit about him defensively. Uh, I've got Tyreek Mitchell of Crystal Palace next. Very small sample size, but I, I do like what I've seen. Good defensively, good in the ball. I think he'll improve the attacking side of his game. And Palace are very good at developing that type of player. And then Danny Rose, uh, 20th, because, well, he's just not very good anymore. Um, I think he's a good dressing room presence. But I do think Watford have the worst fullback situation in the league. When it's Cathcart and Rose, that's by far the worst set of fullbacks anyone has in the league. Crystal Palace, uh, that's why I threw in Ngaki to kind of lift them. I think Crystal Palace with Joel Ward and Mitchell right now is probably the worst. But I do think they're strong in the centre, whereas I don't think Watford are. Uh, moving on to centre-back. So Van Dijk stands out a mile. There's just no one close to him, not just in the Premier League, but anywhere. He is by far the best centre-back in the game. I've actually got 22 here because I just, I couldn't leave people off. I wanted to include a lot of players because there's a lot of good centre-backs. I think there's only one great centre-back, but there's some very good centre-backs, some good centre-backs, and some will-be-good centre-backs on this list. So next I've got Christian Romero. Best defender in Serie A last season. Was really good with Genoa. I think where he is now puts him a step ahead of Rafael Varane, who hasn't been overly impressive for the last three years. Now, pre-2018 Varane would be number two on this list, and then there would be a gap. But Varane is not that player anymore. Can he get back there? Maybe. Maybe he can. Maybe he can now that he doesn't have to carry... Sergio Ramos up and down the pitch. But he's not as quick as he was because he had to change his game because he's getting injured. But I think Romero right now, I just have him over Varane. I think he's a, a better defender. Varane is third. I went to Merrick Laporte fourth, which will be a little bit controversial for some. But I, I just, I look at his form when he arrived at City and the 18 months he gave them prior to his injury. He was just brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. And the difference with him and the team as opposed to when he's out of the team, is night and day. Um, now, Diaz, Diaz's arrival meant that they were fine even with him out of the team, but I went Diaz next. I think they're City's best pairing. I think we've seen that this season. They look brilliant together. Diaz on the right, Laporte on the left, right footer, left footer, great balance. Their skill sets mesh really well. The only thing you'd say they maybe lack is a, a burst of pace, but they've got Walker at right back to cover for that. And that back four of Walker, Diaz, Laporte, Canseo, I think is really, really good. I think it's second best in the league behind Liverpool's. I think Liverpool is the best defence in the league individually. Chelsea is the best system. Liverpool is the best players. City, I think, is number two. Uh, next up then, 
Again, I said earlier on when I was talking about Turkey, this guy's in horrendous form right now, but I go on what I've seen over his career. Kagler Sianchu for me uh, slots in at number six. I think he's just a very good defender who's suffering from being managed by a guy at club level who's not very good at coaching defenders and makes defenders routinely worse. I've got Joel Matip next. Now, non-Liverpool fans will, will wonder at this one, but Matip is great. In the, he's, I think he's the best defender in the air in the league. He's good 1v1. He reads the game well. He can make the odd positional error, but that's fine when you've got Van Dijk. He's really good on the ball. He can carry the ball and ping the ball out from the back. I think Joel Matip is seven. Then I've got Harry Maguire. Now, I've seen lists with Maguire third, second. I've even seen some people put him first. Not for me. Too slow, too many errors. Bad 1v1, because he's so slow. Gets dragged out of position, leaves big holes in behind him, doesn't have the pace to recover. I think Maguire is massively overrated, but I do have him eight. Now, I've got Esri Konza next. Konza was the best English centre-back in the league last year. And should have been in the England squad for the Euro for the Euros. Uh, should have been starting for England in truth. But I've got him next. Then I've got Andreas Christensen. Uh, then I've got John Stones. Maybe a little bit high for Stones. I'm not a huge fan, but he did have a really good season last year, it must be said. Um I went Diego Loriente of Leeds next. I think the difference when he plays and when he doesn't, Leeds are just two different teams. So I've got him next. Then I've got Joachim Anderson of Crystal Palace, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, just a very good all-round defender, very good leader, organiser, quality on the ball. I'd really like to see him and Christensen get a run together for the Danish national team. Then I've got Antonio Rudiger. Again, I've seen people put him much higher on these lists. I don't know why. I, a lot of errors. And the thing for me is, when I look at centre-backs, can you play in a two and a three? And the answer with him is, he can play in a three, but not in a two. So, that's why he's so low on my list. He can't play in a two. When he does, he just becomes an absolute error machine. So, wouldn't be any higher for me. I've got Lewis Dunk next. Again, he's just he's just a good defender. There's nothing spectacular about him, but he's comfortable on the ball. He's good in the air. Maybe not the quickest in the world, but sees the game well. Gets everything in front of him. Heads it, kicks it, does the basics. Doesn't do anything stupid. Rarely makes mistakes. Then I've got James Tarkovsky. And again, it's largely the same thing. Uh, then I've got Gabriel of Arsenal. Now, he would be higher if he'd had a better season last year. Because I really liked what I'd seen from him beforehand. I like the flashes that I see. I just need to see him put it all together on a consistent basis. I've got Jan Bednarak next. And again, like Gabriel, he'll get higher. He's a good defender. Lots of, lots of promise. But again... Just need to see it more regularly. It, not helped by the situation at Southampton and how, you know, carrying Yannick Vestergaard last year doesn't do anyone any good. But more consistency in Bednarak will climb this list. Uh, I went with Kurt Zuma next. Now, again, some people have Zuma much higher. Again, I asked the question, can he play in a two and a three? And the answer in a three is no. Absolutely not. Hopeless. But good in a two. Still error prone. Still can make, you know, the odd big calamity. But... Gets the game in front of him and everything's fine. Uh, I went with Adam Webster of Brighton next. Again, like Tarkovsky, like Dunk. Just a good defender. Simple, effective, good on the ball. Absolutely. And he's versatile. He can play in a two and a three. So, uh, Mark Wehi is next. 
again, it's a promise thing. I, I just think he's very, very good. Lots of potential. I'm looking forward to seeing him over the next couple of years. And then finally, I've got Ozan Kabak. That's number 22 on this list is Ozan Kabak. Body of work, good for Galatasaray, good for Stuttgart, good for Schalke until everything went to, into the toilet. Really good for Liverpool last year. A couple of shaky games when he was trying to carry Jordan Henderson through games. Once Henderson was gone out of the mix, Liverpool took off, as you saw. Um, but so did Kabak. So I've got him 22nd. Um, next, I've got holding midfielders. Now, my issue here is there are certain clubs in the league that I don't believe have a defensive midfielder. Um, I don't think, for example, that Chelsea have a holding midfield player. Now, I know they play Jorginho in that deepest role, but he's not a defensive holding midfield player. He's an attacking holding midfield player. He's in the team to be a conduit for the ball to go through, for his playmaking, his passing, etc., etc. So you will not find a Chelsea player on this list. You'll find him on the next list. Same with N'Golo Kante. He's not a holding midfielder. He's a ball winner, but he's also a box-to-box player. So I've tried to just go for defensive holding midfield players who protect the defence, win the ball back, and just don't make mistakes. Fabinho is number one, and that's not in doubt. Wilf Ndidi, for me, is number two. Great ball winner, great shield of his defence, endless energy, and he can play centre-back as well. And I always think, if you look at a great holding midfielder, they should be able to step back into centre-back and play it with their eyes closed. Roy Keane could do it. Gilberto Silva could do it. Gilberto Silva could do it. Didi Hamann could do it. McAlealy was McAlealy couldn't do it because of his height, but he could have done it. If McAlealy was a couple of inches taller, no, no problem at all. Fabinho can do it, and Didi can do it, Calvin Phillips can do it, Declan Rice could do it. These guys could do it. That's why when people waffle on about Jordan Henderson being this great defensive midfield player and how he should play as the number six at Liverpool, it's nonsense because you just need to look at him play centre-back and you know he doesn't have positional understanding, spatial awareness, defensive discipline to play either role well at a high level consistency. consistently. Liverpool were a fourth-place team Actually, when Henderson was the number six, Liverpool were sixth. When he got injured, they got top four without him. The following year, they got top four, but they'd added Mo Salah. They'd added Van Dijk. So that lifted the level of the team. And then he got shifted out, and all of a sudden, Liverpool are Champions League winners, Premier League winners. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, anyway, I've got Alan in third, behind Ndidi. Reads the game so well. He's always a step ahead. Brilliant ball winner, rarely out of position. Alan, for me, while not the player he was three years ago, is still a very, very good defensive midfielder. Next, I've got Calvin Phillips. I think he's England's best midfielder. Great defensively, really good passing range, and he can carry the ball. Calvin Phillips is a brilliant all-round midfield player. I think he walks into pretty much every team in the league. I think he's that good. Maybe not City. Maybe not Chelsea. But every other team he starts with. He starts for Liverpool as the left-sided number eight, without question. Without question, he starts there. Thiago, Fabinho, Calvin Phillips, no question. Um, I've got Rod... Uh, sorry, no, I've got uh, Pierre-Emile Heusberg next. Uh, I think he's hugely underrated. Really good in the ball. Really good defensively. Then I've got Rodri. 
slow start at City, struggled a little bit to get used to the system, but I think last season he showed quite a lot. Then I've got Declan Rice. Good, overrated, but will will someday become the player people think he is now. He's a good pass of the ball. His positioning sense is good. I, I want to see a little bit more from him, just in terms of grabbing hold of a game and really kind of imprinting his authority on a game. That's the one area I think he's still lacking in. I think Suchek does more of that for West Ham than he does. Uh, I've got Douglas Louise next. Uh, some might have him lower, but I, I think he's I think he's really good. I think City made a big mistake letting him go. I would have kept him and not bought Rodri personally. Even though Rodri's slightly better, you already own Douglas Louise and you got fifteen million for him while paying sixty million for Rodri. Rodri's not forty five million better than Louise. Not even close to it. So you know. Uh, I've got Eve Basima next. Uh, just very good all round holding midfield player. Very, very good. Um, I've got then Donker next. Now, kind of shoehorning him a little bit because at Wolves, he doesn't really play that role, but that is his natural role. So I've got him there. Um, I've got Milivojevic, or Milivojevic, whichever way you say his name, from Crystal Palace, who I think is underrated. A little bit past his best, but I, th- I still think he's a good player. Ariel Romeo I've got next. Then I've got Fernandinho. Frank Onyeka of Brentford. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year. Um, Enoch Mwepu of Brent of Brighton. I think both of them are natural defensive midfielders, him and Basuma. So I, I like both. I've got them both on the list. Isaac Hayden in next. Really underrated player for Newcastle. Really, really underrated player for Newcastle. And the funny thing is, came through at Arsenal. He is what Arsenal currently need. Someone to protect that defence. He does a really good job of it. He's he's very basic on the ball, but he's really good at winning it back. Um I've got Ibrahima Diallo up next, Southampton. Uh, currently not a starter, but he's very, very good. Um, the the issue here is, because not every team plays with a holding midfielder, I kind of had to pick two from certain teams just to get to 20. And you'll see how I scraped the barrel here, because I've got El Nenny next. That's how much I had to scrape the barrel. He's the only holding midfield player at Arsenal. Thomas Partey is not a holding midfield player. Granite Jacket might want to be, but he's not getting on any list I put together. And Nemanja Matic, because Fred's not one and Fred, uh, McTominay's not one, but Matic is. Matic was great. Five years ago, Matic is top three. Five years ago, absolutely top three. But this Matic, no, 20. Uh, right, midfielders then. I could have gone much more in-depth and done central midfielders or atta- and attacking midfielders separately, but I think I probably would have ended up scraping some barrels for that as well. So I've kind of combined central midfielders and attacking midfielders into one list. And um I'm sure it'll 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 boil some piss, but here we go. De Bruyne is one, and I don't think it's debatable. I think he's a top three player in the league, maybe top one. Um he is just he's incredible. He's world class and he's just so consistent. Bruno Fernandez is number two. Again, I don't think you can debate it. Look at the last four years he's put together. Now, he's about to drop off because Cristiano's going to inflict serious damage to his game. But Bruno, for now, is number two. Number three, I've got Saul. I think, as a central midfield player, he's the best in the world. Defensively, he's brilliant. Flawless. And he can play anywhere across your back line as well. 
left back, right back, and centre back. He plays your holding midfielder, but he is a central midfielder. Can also play as an attacking midfielder. Can play wide. Literally whatever you need, Saul can be. But as a central midfielder, he is absolutely world class. Doesn't have a weakness in his game. Maybe you could say he doesn't have blinding pace, but he's not slow. He gets about really well. He's a tremendous player. And I'm still sick over what happened in the transfer window. I've got N'Golo Kante next. Um, I think he has declined from where he was a couple of years ago. But when he's on, he's still unstoppable. Next is Thiago Alcantara. I hear the arguments. I saw it made yesterday on Twitter. He was dreadful last season. Lies. Absolute lies. He came in. He started brilliantly, ran the show against Chelsea, ran the show against Everton, and then nearly got his leg broken by Richarlison. Misses three months, comes back, and because Liverpool have been decimated at centre-back while he's been out, he has to play as a holding midfielder, which isn't his role. And yes, he struggled there. He had three or four really bad games in that position. Then he got moved back into centre midfield and he started to look good again. And the last 10 games of the season, he may well have been the best player in the league. He was absolutely phenomenal through the last 10 games of the season. As Liverpool clawed their way back into the Champions League. For those 10 games, I don't think anyone was better in the Premier League. And you've got to look at body of work. He was world class for nearly a decade before he joined Liverpool. Look at what he did at Bayern Munich. He was the best controlling midfield player in the world. So, argue with a wall, Thiago Alcantara is absolutely top five. Ilkay Gundogan I've got next. Again, brilliant all-rounder. Goals, defensive work, clever, intelligent, creative, dictates a game, high IQ, brings leadership, absolutely everything. Really good player. I've got Yuri Thielemans next. I just love Yuri Thielemans. I, I could watch him play all day. And I don't think he's even began to show what he can be over the next couple of years. And the thing is, Leicester play him a little bit too deep. You play him more advanced and you're going to get 10, 12 goals a season easy from open play, not from set pieces, from open play. Um, I've got Jorginho next. Now, on current form, he's obviously a lot higher. But again, body of work. He hasn't been great for Chelsea since joining. He just hasn't. He's a very good player, but he just hasn't been great for Chelsea since joining. Um, he was really poor under Lampard. So that's why he's lower maybe than people would expect. Ruben Neves is next. I think he's underrated at this point. He has stalled a little bit at Wolves, but passing range, positional sense, IQ, leadership, the whole lot's there with him. Suchek, <laughs> what a find. What a find by West Ham. How nobody else jumped on this guy, I don't know. Um, really good defensively, incredible in the opposition's box, can dominate the game between the penalty areas. Very, very impressed. The partnership of him and Rice is excellent. Uh, I've got Bernardo Silva next. I know he can play in the front three, but I do think his best role for City has been playing as a number eight. I think he's quite unfortunate that Gundogan found fitness and form as David Silva retired. So I do think Bernardo was penciled in for that role and the season that De Bruyne got hurt, the 18-19 season, he played instead of him. He was he maybe should have won player of the year that year. 
if not for Van Dijk. Um, then I've got James Madison. I just think he's become really underrated in the last couple of years. He's had injuries. He hasn't disappeared. He hasn't been bad. He's just had some injuries. Uh, I've got Mateo Kovacic next. Again, I think he's one that's just become underrated. Really good ball carrier. Really good ball winner. Good passer. Not really a weakness in his game. Not really a weakness in his game at all. He's capable of just taking over games whenever he wants. I do think Chelsea have the best group of centre midfielders going. Um, then I've got James Ward-Prowse. Excellent last season. Really good the year before. Doesn't have a lot of help at Southampton. But he has improved. He's a good player. I've got Jordan Henderson next. There's no question he's declining. There's no question he's going to become he's becoming more and more injury prone. He's always been overrated. I don't think he was ever a top five or six or seven or eight midfielder in the Premier League, even when he had his Football of the Year award. But I think this is about where he is now. Tangoy and Dembele I've got next. Again, it's his body of work. He's brilliant at Leon. He's shown loads of flashes at Tottenham. But do you know, I've just realised I completely skipped over Paul Pogba's name. Completely skipped over his name. I had Pogba between Jorginho and Neves, but I got distracted with myself and my rambling. So I've got Pogba in five. I've got Pogba ninth, uh, Neves tenth. Um, after Endembele, I've got Lacelso. Similar thing. He, he's really, really good. He just hasn't shown it consistently enough. Uh, then I've got John McGinn. He's just he's six and a half, seven out of ten every week. He's pretty good at everything, but I've been very good at anything. Um, he's a good passer. He's a good passer. He's just consistently good. He's not great. He's rarely great, but he's rarely bad. So that's why he's there. Uh, Abdullah Dekure then makes a 20. Uh, I had him and Fred sort of tied, but I'll go with him because, well, Fred can often fail to pass a football five yards, and that concerns me. So that is right back, left back, centre back, holding midfielders, other midfielders. Uh, tomorrow we'll do right wing, left wing and striker. Uh, any feedback for those? Just tweet the EPL index account and let me know. Guy, I had Declan Rice in my defensive midfielders list at number one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven. I have Declan Rice as the seventh best holding midfielder in the league after Fabinho, Ndidi, Alan, Phillips, Hoysberg, and Rodri. I'm happy to take the argument that he might be better than Rodri. I don't think he is. You could argue he's better than Hoysberg. I don't think he is. I think Hoysberg's got more, more passing range than him. Um, but there's absolutely, for me, no question that the top four is the top four. And Calvin Phillips, I think, will be top three next season. Because I I think he's going to take another step forward. I think Alain will take another step backwards. And that'll be that. Um, so that is those rankings. We're going to wrap up them with the gossip and get out of here for today. Uh, England midfielder Jude Bellingham has hinted at a possible move to Liverpool with Reds boss Jurgen Klopp set to, raise, to raid his former club Borussia Dortmund. I will believe it when I see it. 
Liverpool have been told to sign Genk and Nigeria striker Paul Anuchua by the Belgian club sporting director. Uh, he is in no way good enough to play for Liverpool, but he is a giant human being. He's six foot seven. I think he got 34 goals or something last year, something mental. Um, he did well with Mittelland for three or four years when he was there. He'd been at that. He was there for a long time. I think he grew up in Denmark. I could be wrong with that, but I think he did grow up in Denmark. Um, as a plan B, he could be interesting. But that's about it. Other than that, as a plan B, he's he wouldn't be of any interest to Liverpool. I can't imagine he would be anyway. Uh, the Reds are also in a three-club battle with Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Sign Red Bull, Salzburg and Germany wonder kid Karim Adeyemi, who scored six goals in six league games this season. Uh, it's very typical of Liverpool. The transfer window passed to the Bayern and then all of a sudden they get busy. Uh, Adeyemi is very, very talented. He's one that I think whoever gets him is going to be very, very happy. Uh, if I was him, I would avoid Barcelona at all costs. You could see him going to Bayern if they did like a two-year extension with Lewandowski and then Adeyemi learns from him and then becomes his successor. That would be a very good succession plan for them because they're probably not going to get Haaland because I don't think they'll pay the wages. Real Madrid are reportedly willing to offer Kylian Mbappe a deal worth €30 million Euros per year if he joins them in a free transfer next summer. That's about half a million pounds a week. Um, that's probably about what he's going to get, and probably what they're going to pay Haaland as well. Chelsea will continue to monitor Sevilla and France centre-back Jules Koundé after over-potential deal after missing out on him in the summer. I, I do think he'll end up there. I think they'll go back until they get him. Unless Real Madrid come in from which seems unlikely because, you know, Mbappe, Haaland, maybe Pogba on a free. Um, I, I just, I think Real's focus is elsewhere. Even though I think that's the centre-back they want, I think that's the move he ideally would like. I do think he'll end up at Chelsea. The Blues could make a move for promising Monaco midfielder Arlen Chimeni next summer. The 21-year-old was on their transfer list for this summer, but the club felt he could gain more experience with another year in League One. That's fair. Um, very, very talented player. But they signed so They actually got a better player. So I don't know if they'll go back from... Juventus are said to be interested in him as well, with the Italian Giants set to stage their own attempts to sign him. Uh, unless Monaco are willing to let him go on like a five-year loan with an obligation to buy, I don't think Juventus are going to get him. Manchester City missed out on Wesley Ribeiro Silva after... Their £6.5 million bid for the 22-year-old Brazilian Brazilian winger was rejected by Palmeiras. Um, don't know much about him, to be honest. It's generally, generally not a great sign if a player's not really exploded in Brazil yet by the age of 22. And he hasn't. So, I don't know. Arsenal have rejected a bid from Galatasaray for Mohamed Elneny. They could probably do with keeping him at this point because, you know, Granit Xhaka. Uh, Real Madrid midfielder Marco Asensio turned down the chance to join Tottenham or AC Milan in the summer. I don't think he did. I really don't think he did. I don't think he'd offers from either of them, to be totally honest with you. I think that's his agent putting in words, trying to make it sound like, you know, he really wants to be at Real Madrid. Um, Manchester United could have a clear path 
to signing Declan Rice next summer as Chelsea consider alternative options. If they can get Chimeni for half of what Rice will cost, they're far better off. If they can keep Saul for 30 million as opposed to paying 80 million for Declan Rice, they're far better off. You could turn Saul into a defensive midfielder and he will become the second best defensive midfield player in the league within three months. Um, Liverpool's failure to sell Swiss winger Jordan Shakiri earlier or Belgian forward Divock Origi cost them the chance to sign Zambian forward Pats and Daka. That is from the spoofer with the catchphrase. And let me just say, why are you lying, Fabrizio? Are you still desperate for attention? Do your 5 million Twitter followers that you have lied to get not give you enough attention, you sad little man? Um, Arsenal's forgotten Greek defender Konstantinos Mavroponos could be poised to seal a permanent deal to loan club Stuttgart. Well, there's great breaking news. Stuttgart have an option to buy that was well publicised. So congrats to the journalist who breaks that story wide open. Uh, Real Madrid are poised to sanction a loan deal for Danny Ceballos in January. Real Betis keen to sign him because no one else is going to want him. Um, France, sorry, French midfielder Papi Mendy could see the last minute exit from Leicester to Galatasaray on a year long loan. That's an interesting one. Now, that's, for those that don't know, that's Nepali's Mendy. He's also not a French midfielder. He's a Senegalese midfielder. He might have been born in France, but he plays for Senegal and you'll show him some respect. Um, for playing for Senegal. Um, Galatasaray be an interesting move for him. He was bought as the new Kante. There was too much pressure on him. But he is a good player. Now, he's had a contract, I think, in 2023. So you'd imagine if Leicester are doing a loan, they will probably want to do a loan with an option to buy. Yeah, 2023. Or maybe even an obligation to buy. He's currently got a groin injury, so it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to get that true. But yeah, Galatasaray could be a good move for him. Go and get some game time. And that is it, folks. That is us for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Mr. Drinkle. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.